this week's episode, the role of Russell T. Davies will be played by James Beers, and the role of Benjamin Cook will be played by Zoe Story. Okay, thanks, bye. How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskinned, a weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded and scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s, Skins. Um, huge apologies to everyone. Um, we did say we were going to do our wrap-up of season one uh, a week after our season finale. That was... That was before we got hit by a bus. And... Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a musical number. Yeah. And then we moved house. And uh, yeah, a lot has happened. A since, lot, a lot, a lot, uh, a lot. Since our last episode. So thank you for bearing with us and thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, we are, yeah, delighted to be back. And hopefully we'll be able to start our season two dissection and dissemination <laughs> uh, within the next couple of weeks. This week's signature drink is a slowberry martini which doesn't sound very skins friendly or skins-esque but it is from like Lidl's or something and it is a Tomova mixologist cocktail uh, cocktail in a can <laughs> I think that's I think that's fair game for skins well, there's always time for a cocktail um, especially when it's <laughs> straight out the can so for our little kind of season one wrap up episode, I wanted to take you all the way back to 2005 uh, when Skins first premiered. And I wanted to talk about your first impressions of Skins and what you remember of that time. Uh, and then we're going to discuss the first impressions of a couple of other people. Oh, OK. I remember seeing all the advertising. Uh, I think we might have spoken about this on the podcast before, but my strongest memory is of like buses having, I think it's Michelle with a kind of mascara smudged, uh, a kind of draped over folk in those promo photos. There's a picture of Michelle in the toilet. Oh, it was, yeah, Michelle in like the toilet. Which is like the iconic yeah. season one image. Um, <clears throat> and thinking, okay, so this, like, it was clear from the marketing that this was going to be a different teen show to what we were used to. And yeah, it in in some ways we had, I think, we, because we watched it together. Yep. Um, in some ways it met our expectations and it kind of was what I thought it was going to be. But at the same time, there was potential there that kept us tuning in. Mm -hmm. And I think it wasn't until later on in the season that it really sort of capitalised on that and really sort of built on what it could be. The first, my first impressions of the first episode, yeah, I thought this might not be for me, but in hindsight, I can absolutely see why they 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 went at it from that angle in the first episode, but... Because it was, um, I'm fairly certain that it was E4, which is um, spin-off channel of uh, Channel 4 in the UK. E4 is their kind of youth channel. And I'm fairly certain Skins was the first original drama for E4, yeah. uh, followed up by stuff like Misfits and Chewing Gum, I'm pretty sure was an E4 drama. Um, but Skins is really the one that started it all. And I think, kind of thinking back to that time, I, I remember um, E4 at that time was probably best known for they showed friends all the time. Um, and, and Big Brother. And Big Brother. When it was on, they'd show it round the clock on E4, but they showed Friends all the time. 
And I remember, I th I'm pretty sure Channel 4 as well, but E4 definitely were showing the trailer for Series 1 of Skins, which we'll talk about later, like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. They were really going all out with this one. Um, and they were also, they'd have like the E4 logo in the corner and it, w it would say like X days to Skins or like Skins is coming up. Mm. Um, like they were really gunning for you to watch this drama that they'd um, kind of plugged so much into. A countdown to the Skins <laughs> party, fellow kids. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it just had this real kind of almost borderline obnoxious sort of marketing push on skins. And I think that carried over um, at the time into my sort of first impressions of episode one. Mm -hmm. But definitely I saw a lot in these characters that I like. And I think particularly Cassie, even going back and, and watching it, I recognised there's so much in Cassie that kept me going mm. sort of early on the kind of Sid Cassie dynamic and I think I clicked with skins a little bit quicker than you which yeah. is possibly why we kept watching it um but for me skins is <clears throat> like one of the best British dramas ever made uh and I think it doesn't get its its kind of day in the sun because it's for young people and because I think all of that fanfare and that kind of obnoxious like skins party follow us on MySpace, here's some other content, was so new that I... You know, now everything like that is par for the course, mm. actually, but at, the po at that point it was so new and quite innovative mm -hmm. that I think people blanched at it a little bit and were like, well, this is just too much. Yeah. Um, I mean, it really... It, it was zeitgeisty in a way that, yeah, I can't think of, of anything before then that had had that same kind of marketing push that was specifically geared towards this audience. Yeah. I think things like, uh, like I don't know, Gossip Girl, and like there were a couple of US teen shows which came a bit later than this, which they obviously tonally very different and things, but there was a bit more of a push for them. But I think Skins, at the time, it really did feel, it, it, it felt set apart from things like Polio, or you know your your kind of long running teen dramas or things like that. It it just had its own. There had never been anything like Skins in the UK. Certainly not at that time. I think the only precursor to Skins was another Channel Four program called As If. Oh yeah. Um, which is kind of two camera monologues and and um, inspired the song Five Colors in Her Hair by McFly. A uh, little trivia bit for you there. Yeah, so they'd only they'd only had as if, which I do think is a real kind of precursor to what Skins yeah. became. But one of the things that I'm really interested in about T4, which was Channel 4's kind of young people's programming slot, uh, which became E4, the, the kind of young people's ch channel, uh, is I was on a Zoom with my close personal friend, Andy Peters, over the summer, and he talked about when he set up T4 initially, they he would only employ people that were the age of the audience. He would only employ people that would watch T4, essentially, okay. um, which I think is what makes it great. And that kind of ethos carries into E4, um, and I think that's what makes it great. It's it's programming for young people that has young people at its heart, like has mm. those young audiences at their heart. And I think Jamie Britton's involvement with Skins is, is part of that and the kind of young writer's room and yeah. stuff like that. Nothing about us without us. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that I think 
to an extent that was that was pushed in the in the kind of marketing of the show as well wasn't it the fact that it was collaborative and it had this mm-hmm. sort of young writers room or you know young people were were heavily involved in the in the writing sessions and sort of setting the the tone for mm-hmm. the series um and i think that certainly did kind of pique my interest before i watched it so so i said we would talk about other people's first impressions and the first first impression that we're going to talk about is from british stand-up comedian Stuart lee um formerly of things like this morning with richard not judy uh, and lee and herring my little Stuart Lee's story. This has happened with two comedians. I have a friend called Diva who's really into stand-up comedy and we'd gone to a gig one night and saw Stuart Lee after the gig and she kind of gone up to him and we were chatting to him uh, and he asked, oh, what's your name? And she said, Diva. And he said, I think it's pronounced Deva, actually. And she was like, no, it's Diva. I know how to pronounce my own name. Oh my um, so that was my only real encounter with Stuart Lee but um yeah let's watch his first impressions which is from an episode of Charlie Brooker's Screen Wipe. If you look at uh, the depictions of teenagers in television today they're kind of selfish avaricious out for themselves they're also kind of confident and sassy and cool and they're really really at home with sex and drugs if you look at portrayals of teenagers in the 70s in uh, say something like Children of the Stones or uh, the Changes. They're really terrified of the world and they're uncomfortable and alienated and alone. And I think that is much truer to what it's really like to be a teenager than the way you see them in Skins. Skins opens with loads of shots of funky young people, proceeds to depict their vile, selfish, misogynist lives with kind of horrible, hip, sassy language. And, um, there's just a degree of cynicism in the characters and in the way that the programme is put together. For Christ's sake, Tony! Tony! The opening five minutes of Skins is just this pointless invective of between uh, the Harry Enfield father and the horrible little rat-faced son. And I just really want, I really want the Harry Enfield dad to just get that kid and punch his face in. Tony! So here's something that's happened in 30 years. Look how the kids in, um, in Skins greet each other, right? by fondling each other's genitals under a table. This is how children should greet each other, like in, um, in, uh, <laughs> in Children of the Stones. Hello. Hello. Can we have a ride? Where to? Oh, just round the village. Show you the sights. It's interesting looking at the different challenges that face the children in these programmes. In The Changes, for example, Nikki has to find her way alone through a Britain that is in a kind of apocalyptic meltdown. And in Skins, Sid has to go and try and get some dope from a dope dealer in a brothel so that he can get a girl so catastrophically spliffed up that she'll have sex with him without realising who he is. I'm really glad I'm not a teenager watching TV for teenagers now because I would feel really left out by something like Skins. But there's something really comforting for, like, nerds and weirdos about things like um, Children of the Stones and the Changes, things that make you feel less alone. And that's a really great thing that art can do. Whereas I think something like Skins would make me, as a teenager, feel more alone. So, Stuart Lee, they're comparing Skins with uh, The Changes and Children of the Stones, very randomly, I would say. Well, there's certainly, there's comparing contrast, there's quite a few differences between between them. Two uh... 70s sort of sci-fi fantasy things that are very much about children compared to Skins, which is about young adults and is not sci-fi or fantasy. Yeah. Um, 
yeah what are your thoughts on on old Stuart Lee's take um to be fair I I did have some of the same reservations as him when I watched the first episode I did cringe at the sort of casual yeah misogyny and like yeah there was just a lot of stuff that didn't sit particularly well with me um in the first episode but I think as we discussed when we were doing the episode by episode discussions you see you see where they go with that Mm -hmm. and that it's not about rewarding these characters for this kind of behavior or this sort of take on the world i mean like like tony is the most is the clearest example of this the fact that he's presented in the first episode as the narrator but you realize that he's not the traits that he's exhibiting are not those that you're supposed to find sympathetic or want to relate to it's you know it kind of all gets upended i'm going to stop you there on tony because we've got more to come on old tony later sorry the rat-faced son the rat-faced son now Um, (laughs) acclaimed hollywood superstar nicholas holt (laughs) but i think i think the thing that resonates with me about uh stuart lee's uh take on skins which which i think largely i get where it's coming from um, but don't agree with it. But the thing that I do kind of resonate with is this idea of that skins would maybe make you feel more lonely. I think particularly in that first episode, like seeing these kids having these type of parties, before you've settled into who these characters are and you can maybe see there's a lot of nuance in skins, actually. There's a lot of nuance in characters like Cassie and Sid and Chris um, and even Tony, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of hidden depths that they plumb throughout the series. But I think in that first episode, particularly, I maybe would have felt more lonely as this kind of teenager who didn't necessarily lead the Skins Party lifestyle. But at the same time, I think again, it's not immediately evident. It's not immediately evident from that first episode, but. The, the main characters are all outsiders in their own way. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, um, and it's kind of that the, you know, whatever kind of camaraderie or like group relationship that they have is unlikely. Yes. And I think that's, I think that's sort of telegraphed. So it's not like it's like, here's the clique of the cool kids. Because it isn't that. No, it isn't that. And I think that I think that's what people react to. I think that's what people thought Skins was. Yeah. And I think from the marketing, that's what people kind of took into Skins and read into it that's not necessarily there. Because I think the dynamics of all these friends is there from the start. And it's built on throughout the series. I, I mean, I think the thing that I resonate with there is I remember... Um, you know, everybody has a, has a, all gay people, I think, have a uh, queer as folk story. All gay people of a certain age have a queer as folk story um, about kind of watching it with the volume down, um, you know, with your finger on the channel changer in case your mum and dad came into the room. And my kind of, you know, experience of queer as folk was is this what gay life is like? Because this is fucking terrifying. I was at the time about 13. So, Mm -hmm. you know, of course it was terrifying. But 
as I've gone back to that drama over and over again over the years, I see myself in it, I see my friends in it, I see my life reflected in it. But I'm kind of thinking if you were a kid watching Skins who didn't have a big group of pals, you might think, oh my God, is this what life is supposed to be like? Because mm. this is quite terrifying. But I do think, you know, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of nuance in Skins. And obviously, you know, we've talked about it already for nine hours. So uh, there's a lot to say about it. Uh, speaking of Queer as Folk, uh, my other uh, first impressions of Skins are from Russell T Davies, the writer for Queer as Folk, and Doctor Who, uh, and Cucumber, Years and Years, It's a Sin. Uh, fantastic writer, I would say, one of my absolute idols. So Russell T Davies, I always recommend this book to emerging writers, people who are interested in writing for television. He wrote a book uh, in 2008. He wrote a book anyway with a journalist called Ben Cook. During the writing and production of series four of Doctor Who, they would email each other to kind of talk about what it was like to make a series of a big juggernaut TV show like that. Um, and one of the things they discussed during those emails is the first episode of Skins. Uh, so we'll get their first impressions and then our take on them. A question. A bit random, but bear with me. Have you been watching Skins? It's E4's new teen drama. I saw the trailers on TV last month, full of wild, feral, hormonal, house-ravaging revelry, and thought, blimey, this looks incredible. But it's not. Not yet. A few moments of genius aside, Skins is a bit of a misfire. It has so much potential, and there are glimpses of genius, but there's a real gulf between the show that everyone involved seems to think they're making and the show that they're actually making. It's fascinating. It deserves to be better, and yet I watch it week in, week out, hoping that it'll improve. I am an optimist, or an idiot. I'm watching Skins. You do get glimmers of it working. Sid and Cassie are interesting characters. Is that her name? The anorexic girl. And sometimes Nicholas Holt takes his clothes off, so come on, be fair. What a mouth on that boy. But I do know what you mean. Nicholas Holt, the actor, is appealing in other stuff, but his Skins character is so unlikable. So improbably unlikable. Can that be sustained, or is Tony heading for redemption? To what extent do lead characters have to be likeable, do you think? Especially in serial drama, where you're asking an audience to stick with them week after week. Likeability. I've been thinking about your question during Dancing on Ice. Did I ever tell you I was asked to be on that? Actually skating. Julie is still laughing to this day. And I wonder, should a writer worry about likability? It tends to be the concern of people outside the script, the producers and commissioners. Years ago, I invented a soap called Revelations. At the story conference, one of the commissioners from Carlton said, none of these characters seem very likable. And Peter Worley, a wise old soap writer, just sat in the corner of the room, puffed on his pipe and said... Likeability is very low on the list of usable adjectives. <laughs> Bless him. I know that you can't stand Tony from Skins, but I can see, or think I can see, what they're trying to do with him. He's got that certainty, 
complacency, charm and good looks, and cuts through everyday events with an absolute ruthlessness. And I think we're meant to admire that, to love the monster. The problem, I think, is that I don't believe a 17-year-old boy like that exists anywhere in the world. That's my problem with Tony. I think that's yours too. He's a collection of ideas, an ideal, a walking wish list, but trapped in the wrong age. If he were 20, 21, then maybe he'd seem more real. But even that's doubtful. He's simply too young to be that assured. Maybe I'm out of touch. Maybe boys like that do exist, or maybe boys like that can be invented. It's got to be said, Ben, that Skins is popular with the kids. Maybe we're just too old for it. Yes, even you. I just accused you of being old. I'm very happy now. I shall ice skate away with a triple loop. Perhaps the kids do like Tony, but maybe that's wish fulfilment. They want to be like him, therefore they admire him. But you have to be young, I think, for that to work. Plus, he did look good in pants. You can see what they were trying to do on Skins, because the plan for Series 1, as we now know, was to bring Tony down, to make him suffer, make him realise that he's wrong, and therefore ascend to sympathy. They almost got there by the end, but only by having Tony pat a dog, and more specifically, hit a bus. They had to mow him down to make us care. And there we go, Russell T Davies with uh, more uh, a slightly different take on Tony than Stuart Lee's rat-faced son. Um, I actually pretty much was in the same boat as uh, Benjamin Cook when I first watched it. Like his reaction was very similar to mine. Like you get kind of glimpses of the potential of of the series, but I'm, I'm not quite sure just yet. Um, but yeah, I think as their discussion went on that reflects our experience as well of i see what they were doing now yes yes i think so but i also think um i would disagree that you're supposed to or that young audiences are supposed to sort of not even empathize with tony but want to be tony i think that young audiences are sid yeah, do you think we are supposed to hate Tony from the off? Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. I think it's there kind of on the surface. I don't, you know, he's so obnoxious and he's so cruel to his friends, which, you know, I think younger audiences in particular are really kind of fair. Mm-hmm. They like fairness, yeah. I think. And that Tony is a bastard, you know, that's where all the drama comes from. But, you know, I don't think they like him and I don't I certainly don't think they would want to be him. What what do you think of that question about whether you have to like a character? What 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 role likability takes in drama? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on the medium, doesn't it? Because I think maybe in literature or maybe in uh, when things are on the page um, or in like a, a film because it's like a shorter form thing, there's less expectation that a character should be likable for an audience to stick with it, if you see what I mean. I think that's interesting because I would say the other way around. I yeah. think with a with literature particularly, if you're reading a book and you're in the character's head, mm. if the book is kind of, you know, first person or it's kind of focalised through one particular person's perspective then I think it can be you know it can be really unpleasant to read a character who's not <laughs> nice or not nice to be with but I think I think with telly as long as a ca- as long as a character is interesting to watch mm. then I think we'll go with it I mean the thing is and again we spent a lot of time talking about Tony 
but he's not he's not like a traditional anti-hero no it's not like here is a character who's a bastard but actually here's some nice things about him as well like at the outset you get lots of characters in in tv particularly which are the the sort of fan favorite baddies with a heart of gold mm-hmm. and there's like a like like there is a likability to yes. those characters which isn't to do with their sort of moral compass necessarily or anything like that Mm -hmm. but yeah Tony is inherently obnoxious and it's interesting actually that we were having this conversation now because we've just watched the the first few episodes of It's a Sin again Russell T Davies but I find I find Ollie Alexander's character who's sort of he's one of the main characters anyway to be a bit obnoxious in his characterization and not particularly likable and we had a bit of a chat about that last mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. I mean I, I think because I think I tend to I think you are much less charitable than I am in terms of uh, how how obnoxious somebody is to you but I think with Ollie Alexander's character in that without spoiling anything uh, for anyone he does have nuances like he's this out and proud um, young gay man who's kind of sleeping around and he's got all this big group of friends but he still can't come out to his mum and dad at home um even in those kind of quiet moments with his mum he still can't do it so he has you know I think that's the thing that makes you if not like him then at least empathize with him Mm. and I think with Tony particularly it's there from episode one even though he's obnoxious even though he's a bastard even though he's absolutely horrible to his girlfriend and his best friend he loves his little sister Mm. and he'll do anything to kind of cover for her even to a fault so i think as long as the character's got those nuances and and you know people can even if you don't have a little sister you can relate i think a lot of people can relate to having complicated relationships with their family and stuff and i think those nuances in tony are there from from the start and i also think it's really interesting that russell d davies points out Sid and Cassie as probably the most engaging characters because I would argue and I think we have argued on this Mm. podcast that Sid is actually the if there is a a protagonist of Skins and there isn't but if there is one story that we're following it's Sid's story for this first series yeah I would argue even for the second series but spoiler alert I think a lot of story comes from Tony but we experience that story through Sid and I think that's what kind of he that's why he's the character I mean Mm anyone can relate to a character who you know he's a bit of a fuck up and his dad thinks he's an idiot and you know his best pal's a bit of an asshole and he can't get a girlfriend and the girlfriend he's got he doesn't value himself enough to Mm. see what she would even see in him so yeah there's so much going on and equally i think in skins as it goes on there are characters like jow like chris like michelle that we really get to know and that that there's so much going on in this series that I don't think, you know, I've said it already in this podcast, but I don't think it's ever given credit for. And in this little section, we're now going to talk about the trailer for series two of Skins. Can you remember this trailer coming out? I can, actually. I remember it particularly because it uses one of my favourite Radiohead songs, wow. Nude as the uh, the soundtrack and it's this kind of very spooky atmospheric gothic um aesthetic to it and yeah it's it was very like tailored to my specific, <laughs> my specific interests yes i would also argue that this trailer which is kind of this 
very gothic party um, where the walls are all kind of falling down and everyone's a bit, um, you know, smudged eyeliner and crying. This is the inverse of the Series 1 trailer, which was the big, vibrant mm. skins party with the gossip as the as the soundtrack. Um, this is very much the kind of dark counterpart to that. This is where... the come down. Yes, the come down, the morning after the night before, um, or the, the night after the night before even. So we've got Tony in the bath, submerged in water. Did I talk about this on the episode discussions that I thought they were going to bring Tony back as a ghost? Yes, I think you did. And I, I can see why. And I can see why even more from this this uh, trailer. Um, so Tony's in the bath, submerged in water. Michelle is in a is in bed or on a bed in a room where everyone around her is in this kind of big orgy moment, mm-hmm. kind of kissing and snogging and having sex on the floor. But she's on the bed kind of crying. Yeah, is Anwar in that room as well or is he in a separate room? He's he's smooching away with somebody who I thought was Abigail, but is not. Yeah, I'm not sure who that is, but we... A blonde lady. A random lady. Maxi is dancing through the party in his um with his chest all waxed up. Waxed up? Uh, oiled waxed, up. Oiled up. And Sid is in uh, a room on his own, very kind of isolated from the rest of his friends. And Cassie uh, is at the window, like... Um, like Anastasia, she's been left outside alone. Well, I was thinking, it's me, it's Cassie, I'm at, <laughs> I'm at your window. <laughs> yeah, so we've got Cassie at the window in this very kind of ghostly white dress and bedraggled hair. So yeah, all our old friends. Oh, and Jal is in a sort of drag racy type of outfit, in a very kind of... It's all like feathers, kind of crow oh, feathers. Oh yeah, and she's got like... Kind of intense smoky eye makeup as well. Yeah. Effie's doing her thing. I can't remember what Chris is doing. Oh, Chris is wearing it. Oh, Chris kind of looks like the Grim Reaper. He's got a, a black hood over his head and like the lighting makes him look quite skeletal like it like it kind of catches his his cheekbones in a way that he does look like spooky what is this foreshadowing um yeah i just i, I really like that trailer um i think it's such a tonal shift for skins and mm. i think it sort of announces right you saw the marketing for for series 1 you watched some of series one, but here we go. This next series is going to be something completely different. And I think it will be, as we'll discover mm. over the next bunch of weeks. I don't know if it was so much that it was going to be something completely different, but I think that promo suggested that it was going to be the series was going to be more in the vein of the Effie episode. Yes. Um, that sort of slightly dreamlike quality and obviously darker in tone. Um, and of course, that hit, I was very excited for series two off the back of that promo because I was like, right, this is hitting my buttons. Yeah, so hopefully it lives up to the the trailer uh, as we'll see in the next few weeks so just to wrap up this series one episode i wanted to talk to you about uh, i wanted to ask a couple of questions and the first one is what was your favorite episode my favorite episode was episode eight effie why i think it felt elevated compared to the rest of the series i think that showed what skins could do it was a different darker and um like right darker doesn't always mean better okay Mm -hmm. but there was there was something about that episode that really set it apart from both the rest of the the first series um but also from really anything that we'd seen in a teen drama before yes it felt exciting and different and 
intense and i felt like that episode really delivered on the promise of the series yes and i think also in that episode there's everything you could want from a skins episode i think you know i remember talking about this when we did the episode but that you see effie being injected with drugs is bizarre Mm. for british television then and i would say even now but also that it's it's got that darkness and it's got that kind of seriousness Mm. but there's also the lightness in tone and the the sid and tony stuff and Mm. Uh, Sid seeing Cassie all over the place, but she's not really there. It's it, there's just so much in that that is kind of yeah, it propels things forward. And I always used to say that Effie was my favorite episode. I love that bit. That is sometimes I was born backwards, came out my mum the wrong way. But having rewatched them all, my favorite episode is Chris, another Jack mm. Thorne original. These Jack Thorne joints. Yes. Please. That's, that's what I was going for. A Jack Thorne original joint. But yeah, I really loved that episode. I think it's got, again, it's got everything you could want from a Skins episode. It's got the kind of heart and the humour and the warmth, these friendships. But there's a kind of seriousness running around, kind of thrumming away in the background. And these are real characters with real lives. Mm. And it's also an incredibly visually original episode Mm -hmm. which i would say is the same for effie yeah chris is like it's very close between effie and chris is my favorite episode i think effie just pips it for me because i feel like chris has a little bit more of the sort of goofy humor that i don't care so much for in skins. I, I think I like the goofy humour and I think I like it even more now. I think I respond to the kind of teenagers are funny mm. and kids, you know, like being that age is funny mm. and like finding the humour when your life is maybe a bit sort of crap or fucked up sometimes yeah. is is good. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, and who's your favourite character? Again, it's very close between Chris and Effie. Those are probably Probably my two favourite characters. But I'm going to come down in favour of Chris. Not only because he has a bit more to do than Effie in uh, in series one. But Chris is a character that I would normally hate. Right? In any other teen drama, if they tried to do a character that was this sort of light-hearted, you know, philosopher, druggy, kid, like, however you want to describe Chris. Like, I think there's something very particular about the way that they characterised him, that Joe Dempsey portrayed him, that makes him a really charismatic character in a way that I just normally wouldn't find a character who fits that archetype. So I think he's a really, really well-executed character in that. I would agree with with that about Chris, and he's one of my favourite characters. I would protect Chris at all costs. But I'm going to say my favourite character is Sid. Um, and I was quite surprised by that to to go back and watch it and and to enjoy Sid's stuff so much mm. this time round. But you kind of see as you watch it a bit more closely the how much is going on for this guy and just how much story they pile on top of him. Similarly to Chris, I think that Sid could have gone really wrong. Yeah, definitely. And I would I would argue that in um you know we've not we've touched on this across the series. But uh, the US remake of Skins, I would argue that the Sid kind of counterpart in that, who's called Stanley, I would argue that he is Sid done wrong. I can't really remember that much about Skins US, to well, be honest. There I've, you go. I've, I've repressed it, probably. But yeah, Sid is likeable 
he's genuinely likable and again he's not the kind of character that I would immediately warm to but it's such a nice performance mm-hmm. and yeah he does naturally fit in as the sort of heart of the show. So that's the end of our series one wrap up and the end of series one of Reskinned. We will be back very very soon with <laughs> soon <laughs> sooner than you think uh, with a with our series two premiere. Uh, we can't wait to see you there. Thanks for listening. Remember to uh, rate and leave a comment on iTunes if you enjoyed this or whichever platform you're listening to us on. And uh, yeah, looking forward to catching you in the next one. Bye. Bye. I'm sorry, I've, I've forgotten your name. Chris. Chris. Thanks. Um, okay. So, where it says describe your ideal career, um, you've just drawn a picture of a snail. Yeah. <laughs>